What up, everybody? It's your boy Theo Pencil here with another episode of Run Your Race with my boy, AJ Richardson. Good morning, beautiful people. Even though it's nighttime, he's still doing that <laughs> shit. <laughs> people, we have a very special guest today. As y'all all know, our guy, Dribble Too Much. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Prime Let's get time it, man. trainer. Prime time trainer. Big time trainer. As y'all know, if y'all see Chris Paul work out before games, if you see DeMar DeRozan work out before games, the, the black and yellow basketball, the, the weighted basketball they use to pregame, that's my guy right here. Yes, Let's sir. get it. A little it. too much. Handle it. Let's go. I love it, man. I appreciate being here. Man, it's all love. I want to be on the hottest podcast in the world, so that's why I love I'm it. here. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love the energy. I love the energy. This is what we do here. This is what we do here. We lock up. For sure. (laughs) (laughs) That's a fact. That's a fact. So, hey, just, we like to let our guests tell their story. We don't like to come up with all types of stuff and us tell everything. We want you to start it off. Tell us where you're from, uh, how you got started, um, just from the high school days, pretty much. Of course, you were Hoper from day one. Uh, when did yep. you start playing? Where you from? All that. Just just run run us down the memory lane. <laughs> Let's get it, man. I'm I'm from Boynton Beach, Florida. My mom and dad is Haitian, and they're immigrants. Um, mm-hmm. And when they came here, you know, like we moved into some low income house income and no low income housing, and you know, grew up through like the community center, like uh, playing basketball. But I really got in trouble a lot when I was young. And I, because I was Haitian, and at the time, back in the days, like being being a Haitian, we used to get picked on a lot just because we were a little bit darker than everybody else, or like you know, like my mom ain't really like buying like the newest J's and stuff like that. So yep. you know, it was kind of like you know, like I had to battle that, like just being Haitian and being a different uh, you know culture uh, growing up in my neighborhood, and then you know that's what helped me like create toughness though because. I met other people that, you know, other Haitians that been uh, been around the neighborhood for a while and grew up or experienced different things on how to protect themselves. And they, you know, I started hanging with those guys, you know, you know, how it is like, yeah, they showing showing me how to protect myself. So, but then I quickly, like, you know, through, through the whole middle school and high school was a really rough time for my family because of the, you know, the, the people I was hanging around and, uh, and, you know, like I got, put in like uh, detention centers or family homes, just, you know, I got put on house arrest and stuff like that, you know, mm-hmm. just like hanging around the wrong crew and just like trying to get all the popular stuff. So the kids can stop like, you know, picking on me, like just to get yeah. some shoes or something like that, you know? And I even wrote a, a whole life story on it with, uh, on, on a song called handle life story with Dame Lillard. You'll, you'll be able to like hear the lyrics and like everything I'm about to explain to you. But, um, so then just growing up in that, go growing up in that like environment, I had to find something to not go to jail or get shot or dead. Yeah. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Cause like, nah, for like, sure. I, I, like I, I, I was in it, but I don't know if I was like really with it because my mom was really a praying woman and like always in church and always like had that back end, like to be able to speak to me, you know, and uh, my other, you know, friends, were more like lost, kind of like just like rebels. You feel me? Yeah. And so, like you know, I, I, I you know, I opt out once they, you know, put me in a situation where I got to do the right thing or this is it. 
and they put me in a basketball program at the community center. And, you know, when I, when I got in there, I started like uh, seeing kids. I wasn't really like active, but I just started seeing like kids with like crazy handles at the uh, like community center, like breaking dudes off. Yeah. And then I was like interested in it and then they threw me in there. And then that's when it all started. When I grabbed that ball and I stopped hanging, hanging around, like, you know, my other crew and started hanging, hanging around like more, more people that were in the community and like that were about teamwork and, you know, showing me a different like path than what, where I was heading. How hard what was age? That? Yeah, oh, I was about to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was about to say like, what age was that when you got on house arrest, but then decided like, oh, basketball is the, my escape goat? Man, I was like, man, I, I was on house arrest like around 17. But I was hooping at the same time. Like I was killing. Like I would I, I didn't practice. Like honestly, I wished I had this kind of attitude before, you know, when I was in college. Yeah. Cause I feel like yeah. there's some some things like about you as a person, you gotta keep some kind of like, you know what I mean? Like, like yeah. keep it flowing and don't take it as so serious. But yeah. when I got tapped into basketball, I took it, you know, so serious. And I was about 17 when I was on house arrest. And I was still hooping and killing for high school and stuff like that and playing with the band on with the sock and like everything like that. And I, and I was like around 17, 18. And then my last draw was like the incident happened and I, we was in court and I had a chance to go to prep school. So like I had because I didn't have the grades, but my coach was looking out for me like I can get you in Georgia, like get out of here, like. Just get out of here and yeah. tell the people in court that you're going to play ball and get good grades. Like, because they wasn't going to give me no second chance. That's the only yeah. thing I could lean on and see if it could help me out. Mm -hmm. Or I was doing some time, you know? Yeah. And then at, at 18 at that time, they took 18 like you was a grown man. They was trying to hit you still like at 18. Mm -hmm. So I just told him that. Then I got, then my coach connected me with a, a Sound Doctrine Christian Academy. And I transferred over there. And then that's when like my eyes kind of opened up where even though I was like loving basketball back in my neighborhood and loving the, you know, environment of competing and being with friends. But when I looked at like when I went to Georgia, like in the country, the Grange, Georgia, I just started seeing like other hoopers when I played against them, you know, they getting like the Nike sponsorship and they nice and, and you know, people talking about them and like. You know, kids on my team, like, oh, he nice. You know what I mean? And I was like, mm -hmm. I started getting more into that. Like, I want to be, like, talked about like that. So I started yeah. working on my game every single day in prep school. And I kind of cut off all of my friends from back home. And I just kind of erased everything that was in my mind from back home. And I tried to stay, like, right there where I was in prep school. How hard was that transition from – because that's – I think a lot of people can attest to that. Like, it's not easy cutting off your friends that you know for so long that you've been not doing the all. same thing over and over again. And yeah. it's like you you become a creature of habit. So how how hard was that to, to transition from what you were doing that was leading you down the wrong path and uh, to be like, all right. I need, let me straighten up. Let me straighten the hell up. Yeah. It's that, it's that time. Like, when they put you, when they put you in and, you know, you got to wait for the court day, like you, it might be even a simple little charge, but like you in there, you still playing like that guessing game. And like my mom was telling me, like, do you want, 
somebody to have control to let you know if you're going to be free or not all the time like that. Like when I was going back and forth, like it was like a gambling game. And I wasn't, you know, some people get, that's how they get their high off. Like, you know, mm-hmm. like yeah. almost getting away. I, I, I ain't like that game. Yeah, yeah. I, that's I, real I, though. I, that is real. I, I ain't mm-hmm. like that game. I ain't like that game. And then I was just like, uh, it's either I cut off these guys and I, I loved basketball a lot. I like grew a big passion for it because I was spending more time playing basketball. And it's either like I focus and go to school and like get good grades and cut off these friends for a while. Or like I go there and I'm like back gambling with my life type situation. Right. You know, my mom and my parents did a good job of just like, you know, they wasn't really, they, they was always working. So they couldn't really put hands on with me, like, mm. and be where I'm at. And, you know, they're always working. So they did a good job of just breaking it down and giving me like different analogies to really understand, like, you know, how I can lose my freedom messing around in these streets. So yep, it was an easy, it was an easy decision once, you know, back and forth. And it was real serious, you know, like that third time is like, it's, it's like, you know, that yeah. it's a wrap. Yeah, either so take this or you or you're gone. <laughs> like literally, the yeah. next time it's it's a wrap. That like that second Wait. to third time, it's like next time I see you here again, it's a wrap. Yeah. So I, and I was yeah. like, I don't want to play like that. I'm, I'm about to hoop. Yeah. <laughs> what was like your? What was like the biggest adjustment from Florida moving to Georgia? Cause those totally two different cultures and environments, I would think. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Especially it at was, a young age like that. Yeah, super young. The biggest adjustment wasn't really like the state, but the guys that were coming in from the different states, like mm. you know, you know, dude coming in from North Carolina, L.A., like mm-hmm. you know, dudes coming into that prep school, and I'm looking at like different types of like people from the hood, like you know, yeah. like. Yeah, that was the adjustment because like we would clash and bump heads and like something like, you know, somebody might say something to me where where I'm from. That's fighting words. You yeah. feel me? And and sure. where they from, that might be just like that's just you know, cool. That's just yeah. cool. So <laughs> yeah, that ain't how that we rock <laughs> Right. Exactly. You know how it is. So that was the biggest. Hey, y'all keep y'all keep going. I, my my daughter crying. I'll be right back. Yeah, that's all good. Yeah. So you know how it is. Um, when you're making that adjustment with, 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 you know, how to communicate with somebody that's not from where you're from. And then you yeah. got to do it even now, like as an, you know, older adult, you got to be able to communicate in different pockets and like, you know, you know, work with different people from different places, different races and everything. Yeah. Now that's crazy, man. It's crazy that you say that because I mean, it's one of those things to where, I don't think people realize when you move to different states and cities, you have to like that adjustment is real. Yes. You know what I mean? And especially like you know about it because you you train so many like high school, college pros. Like these kids is moving moving like four times a year to schools. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which is yeah. the craziest thing. How do you feel about how do you feel about that now? Like how did how these kids is growing up and they just going to different high schools, four high schools in four years? How do you feel about that? Oh, I think it's like, it, I I don't agree with it. I think it's just like, it doesn't practice commitment. You know what yeah. I mean? And like, when you commit to something, you know, I understand there's different circumstances and situations, but I feel like the majority of the situations is just lack of toughness and um, 
parental like guidance. Like, yeah, that's just like the for the young kids that are doing all of that traveling and stuff like that and going to this school, this school, that school. And honestly, like not to name drop, but I love the CP3 Academy and what y'all do with y'all family is like it's not like that. It's like, yo, y'all got a really tight niche group and you guys teaching them more, you know, values than just basketball. You feel me? And yeah. And then when and when you don't have that, it's a young kids, and I'm sure y'all deal with it all the time. It's like when parents are involved, when this other person trainer or this person involved and stuff like that, it's just hard to like, you know, mentor somebody that been listening to somebody their whole life, but to get to the next level, they gotta do things a different way. So, you know, I mean, that's how I feel like it's just lack of mental toughness and parental like guidance on really guiding these kids on making the right decision and sticking to commitment, like and trying your hardest to make it work versus like, Oh, I ain't played it. I, so I want to transfer. Yeah. New kid came in. He, he tough. Like, Oh, I ain't gonna get enough shots. Now I want to transfer, you know, Oh, I ain't doing that. Well, now, well, or this kid killing over there. He like, yo, we killing over here. Like come rock with us. And now I want to transfer. And you see it a lot. Like that's, it's tough. You know, it doesn't it doesn't help the kids for the future, in my opinion. Yeah, kids, kids nowadays are kind of scared of adversity and want it right now. Don't really know that you gotta go through toughness and like you said, mental toughness and things of that nature. But now that you are at the point where you are now in life, one, what college did you attend and how were you like that? Was that your mindset in college already or you had to work to that? I had to work I had to work to that. Um you know, I wish I didn't transfer, but I went to at a prep school. I went to uh, Liberty University with Seth Curry. Okay. was running, you know, me and him was like one of the top mid-majors uh, re- recruiting classes. And mm-hmm. we did we had a really great mid-major year. And the adjustment was so tough for me because when I got recruited from prep school, I was like a scoring point guard. And yeah. when Seth came into the conference or came into the Big South, and Steph was kind of like killing too as well, like mm-hmm. a mid-major. And, you know, Seth had the skill. <laughs> that was uh, Chris. Seth, <laughs> until I said, what up? Uh, then then uh, Seth had the skill, you know, and he was killing in the Big South. And they wanted me to play a point guard. So it was confusing for me because, mm-hmm. like, they wanted me to drive to the rack and look at the rim and, like, find somebody outside. Fine, yeah. And like, that's how I built my whole package. Like in prep school, I'm getting a layup and then I'm opening up the three. Then I'm like passing mm-hmm. and I'm like playing the game. But when you get to college, it's almost like chess pieces. Like you, this person does this specific thing for the team to win and everybody got to play their role. And that was a hard adjustment for me. So I had, I, I rode the bench, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I would like take it out on practice and killed the starting point guard. And the starting point guard averaged damn near zero points and like 10 assists leading the conference in assists. So, you know, you could tell like, just like that guidance, like yeah. he had it, I did it. I he was had nicer. It, you didn't. Yeah. I was nicer. Like nicer than Seth, nicer than those guys. I'll say it. I say <laughs> not Seth, not Seth, not Seth, not Seth, not Seth. <laughs> I, was, I was hitting Seth, but Seth was stupid nice. Yeah. But I was nicer than I was nicer than a lot of those guys. But they just knew how to play the game better. 
and they had better guidance in the game. Remember, I'm a, I'm a foreign, I'm Haitian, so my yeah. parents don't really know what to tell me back. And the guys in the community, they never made it past the community. So they're yeah. like, yo, just stay out there, bro. Don't even come back. Like, just right. stay. Like, And so I don't know how to deal with it. And I'm a young kid at that time. I don't know how to deal with it. So I'm not doing what coach needed me to do. And like, I'm taking it out on the practice and killing them in, on a scouting team, scoring every time, thinking mm-hmm. like that, that's like going to make me start or like make them respect me. And it wasn't doing yeah. that for me. So nah, that was, makes sense. That makes sense. So. So oh, sorry guys, Theo, Theo had to go handle some business. Baby girl started crying. You know what I mean? So he had to yeah. back on baby duties. But the you know what I mean? Kids come but first, man. Kids come first. Kids yeah. come first. But nah, John, that's crazy you said that because a lot of things that we talk about on this podcast is how like as a as a athlete or NBA player, college player, whatever the case may be, the biggest thing is knowing your role. You know what I yes. mean? It's knowing your role. So at what point you said you didn't really have a mindset, you you rode the bench and things of that nature. What was like, all right, nah. What was that moment for you to where like, oh, let me, I'm trying to hoop. Cause you love, you love the game. Don't nobody want to sit on the bench. You know what I mean? So what was that moment for you? Man, I'm I'm gonna be honest, man. I never really, you know, could I like because I transferred the whole transfer thing after two mm-hmm. to three years, I transferred from Liberty and I went to Oklahoma City University. Mm-hmm. And I was there and I still wasn't playing my like myself, really, because like now I'm over there like, oh, yeah, I'm going, you know, NAIA. I'm coming from yeah. Division One. So I'm like, yo, now. And but I I was I went from three years of not being that guy that got recruited from, you know, prep school, like the scoring point guard to yeah. like, you know, people backing off of me, leaving me wide open for a shot. Like, and I don't know if I want to shoot it or not. So, yeah. You know, like like I did all the work, but it's still like I still had a role to play at the NAIA school. So it never mm-hmm. the, everywhere I transferred to, I, had, I transferred to NAIA. I still had to play a role. So it's like yeah. I couldn't really run from it, and I didn't really have the guidance. So you know, I did decent, but I I, I could have did way better. And I never really, you know, went with the concept of knowing the role well. So even when I and then I went to try to go pro. And I went to Mexico and I played six months in Mexico and I was killing and it was just like much easier for me though. Mm-hmm. Like I'm playing against like, you know, like it was not that talented. It was like a low level league. They'll pay me $500. Yeah. Sometimes I think I only got paid $500 one time in six months. <laughs> Seriously. One time in six months? Yeah. Like I don't even think it was 500. It was in pesos or something like 500 pesos. <laughs> Sheesh. Sheesh. Yeah. So, but I love the game. I was chasing the game. Right. I was playing like on concrete floors and I was killing. And, you know, and that's what I really learned a lot of my marketing skills and like editing skills. And I feel like pros when they're over there in another country or like by themselves, that's when you got to learn so much. You got to learn yeah. how to clean up, take care of your spot, you know, maybe cut your own hair. Yeah. Like, you know, stuff like that. So I, I started rocking with iMovie and like editing my film because I wanted to get out of there. So I just started editing film and just like putting it on YouTube and trying to like, you know, promote myself and get myself mm-hmm. out of there. But that's where I started learning like how to edit. And I think that was a valuable piece to, you know, who I am today, like learning how to edit. Got you. So at the end of the day, when you was in Mexico, basketball didn't go your way. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. But you found yeah. something else to help you navigate to stay around the sports industry, right? Ex- so you exactly. Did, you did six months in Mexico and it's like, oh, this is not it. You know what I mean? So let me yeah. let me take it on the content, content side of things. What was your biggest, like, who was your biggest person or when did Handle Life Dribble Too Much come about? Like, all right, cool, you editing, but like when you when did you like really blow up? Man, so when when I went back home from Mexico and I wasn't in the five hundred, so I was like, man, <laughs> I, I just I, I just played I just played for free. You know what I mean? You know, everybody in Facebook know I'm a pro, but I ain't getting paid for it. <laughs> you know yeah. I was just being a honey, man. I wasn't getting it. So I just like I had got hurt too and I went back home. And I went and got a job, you know, I was staying with my girl at the time and I was sleeping on the couch and like, you know, like any other dude, like, hey, man, I'm still going to try to get another job and work out in the morning. But at the same time, like bills got to be grown. People's stuff got to happen. Bills got to get paid. And I'm trying to chase a dream. Where city? Where state? Oh, Uh, yeah. Okay. You went back to Oklahoma. I went back to Oklahoma. Yep. I went back to Edmond. I went back to my college that I graduated to and started like working out there, training there. And trying to like uh, like get back healthy and get back in shape, and I was working at Nike, and at Nike mm-hmm. they th- they took me through like a whole you know training in order to be like a Nike employee, and I was out at an mm-hmm. outlet store, and I remember doing both of them at the same time. Like I would train in the morning, I mean train late at night, but I would work mm-hmm. you know mornings to afternoons at Nike. And as I was going through the, you know, through the training, there was like making me understand like Bill Bowerman and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, you know, they had something called Remember the Man and it was Bill Bowerman. They told the whole story and I was doing this like simultaneously and I was training in the gym, like trying to get back healthy. But kids were coming in the gym and they was like, hey, man, can we work out with you? And I was like, cool, like I'm not really a trainer, but you can follow the drills that I'm doing. So I started, you know, young kids, like probably like 11 years old, whatever. Mm-hmm. So then like I'm training, pop, 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 I'm tapping. I'm always like stopping and I'm like, yo, man, this is how you do it to get this. Like I'm, I'm yeah. catching myself and damn near the whole workout in an hour. Like I probably, I didn't only train for like 10 minutes myself. Cause I'm, I'm over <laughs> Cause here trying, trying, to trying to critique and like help them, you know what yeah, I mean? Cause they're younger than you. So I did that for like you know, a couple of weeks and then another kid joined that was a little bit older and they started recording me on social media themselves and the drills that I was like putting together to get you know, my handle back, they were doing them and put them on social and they was like getting a lot of response from, you know, their following and stuff. And there was like, coach, coach, like everybody want to know my trainer, like, man, like everybody who follows me, like likes when they, I'm training with you, you they, they ask for your Instagram. And I was like, what's Instagram? To downloaded it. The kids will put you on everything, man. Nah, they really will. They really <laughs> you know will, I mean? for sure. And I was like, what's Instagram? I downloaded it. And I was working at Nike at the same time. I downloaded it. And as I was going through the training with Nike, with the training, it was, t- I looked at it and really said, Bill Byerman is really just a track at coach. Like, mm-hmm. like, like Nike is like this billion dollar like thing. But at the end of the day, he was a track coach that wanted to help athletes get better. And, yep. you know, that's, and that's what, it's a good, a good book to read is like, uh, 
Shoe Dog. Shoe Dog. Nike. Yeah. Yeah, 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 that was crazy. Mm-hmm. I love that book. And Bill Brown, I'm like, he's just a track coach that developed the, wa- the you know, the waffle sneaker. It was called Blue Ribbon Sports before. And he developed that to help the, the, the kids at Oregon run fa- faster, like at Oregon yep. University. So then when I was training these kids, the response I was, I wasn't training them. They was following me. The response the parents, parents was giving me, like, is like my kid is scoring like points. They like not turning over the ball. Like they're more confident with their dribble. So and somewhere in my mind, I felt like when I was in the middle, I like I could be Bill Bauer, man. I'm like, nah, for sure. I'm, I'm helping the kids. You know, I'm training. I'm helping them get to where they need to be. Hey, <laughs> I'm with this. you. I do this. So I wasn't getting paid for it yet, though. So then, a, then a, a parent came to me one day and his kid was like one of the top ranked guards in Oklahoma. And he'd been working out with me for like, you know, two months and just like following my workouts. And I started posting on social media more and creating my like tag and stuff like that. And the, the dad gave me a hundred dollars and said, my kid is like the top ranked point guard and he got offers everywhere keep doing what you're doing with him. And then I was like, cool. The next day he was like, here go another hundred. Keep doing this. So I started doing the math of what I was doing at Nike. And I was like, I'm getting $12 an hour. <laughs> <laughs> but I just made a hundred dollars for an hour and a half or two hours. <laughs> an hour. And I oh, was an like, hour. I was like, or two Your hours. math was yeah, math. Yeah. yeah. Your math was math. And I was like, Man, I was like, cool. So I was like, you know, the kids kept bugging me to make an Instagram. So I ended up making one. And I said, I looked at the kids' Instagram. It was all dribbling drills from our workouts. And I was like, damn, I dribble way too much. Right? That's that's the first thing I said when I look at his joy. I'm like, damn, all this dribbling. Right? (laughs) Because I I was hurt from Mexico. I couldn't really do anything but work on stationary stuff. So I would just Mm. work on the handle and form shots. That's it. So then um, I, I said, then I said, OK, cool. I'm going to put two feet into God and two feet into this thing. God, I don't know what I want to do in my life right now. Like I'm stuck in between wanting to recover and go back and play overseas uh, to like work it and trying to please my girl and like pay bills and make her happy. And like training these kids where I'm getting a new passion from. I was like, man, I'm going to do two, put two feet into this training thing. And I just want you to give me a platform. Where I can show the whole world that you exist. This is what I prayed for. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I quit Nike. I tapped all the way in into helping the kids. And I took some of the qualities that I learned from training with Nike of like making a brand because, you know, mm-hmm. basically they explain to you what the brand is when you go yep. through the training process. So I, I created a dribble too much account. And that was to me like my Jordan. And my yeah. Nike, my Nike was Handle Life. And the way mm-hmm. I came up with the, uh, the name Handle Life is I was stuck and didn't know what I wanted to do in my life. But all I did was work on my handle. So, yeah. you know, the mm-hmm. first logo, yeah, first, first logo was like orange and blue. And it was like a handle was orange and the blue was the life part. And I said, I'm going to put them together. Then like I work on my handle every day. And this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life and put two feet into God first. And then I was like, put it together, and then it said handle life. And that's how the, that's how I get start got started. Dang, that's crazy. That is so crazy. So now you at that point in your life, right? Still trying to figure it out, but you getting there, right? You getting there. You figuring it. it out. But did you have any role models or anything like that that pushed Man, you? Gil- 
Gilbert Arenas was the first mm. NBA client for me. And I know Gilbert get a lot of backlash from the league, but I, 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 I feel like I was blessed to have him as the first NBA client for myself because the league might not re- respect Gilbert, but the players respect him like crazy. Gilbert was cold. You know, oh, please. If you don't respect him, he was cold. A hundred percent. You know what I'm saying? So then when I had him, he was like very into the moves. I would like really time my content. I knew the kids would go to school at nine o'clock in the morning. So I would post a video nine. I know they had lunch and I was just thinking about everything I learned from Nike. I know they go to lunch at 12. So I'm going to have something for them at lunch, you know, mm-hmm. like to post something so they could talk about it. Then I'll do like a move and be like, yo, tag a friend, you'll do this. I was like one of the yeah. first people to do that. Like then they started tagging friends and then after school, I'll be like, oh, I'm going to give them a challenge drill. After school, they'll be at practice or something. And then yeah. I was just like doing that every single day, like consistently. And um, Gilbert commented on one of the posts and on one of the moves that kind of like caught the algorithm somehow. Yeah. And then Gilbert commented and it was like, man, I've been working on this move with my trainers in L.A. for about, you know, the last two weeks and I can't get it down packed. And I was like, what? That's exactly hey. how I look, AJ, when he commented. I was like, I'm like, Wait, I'm, really about to, I'm like, I really am Bill Bowerman. <laughs> <laughs> Yo. It's, like, it's like Jordan calling me right now. <laughs> nah, thanks. Nah, yeah. for real, for real. You know, so Cause at, at, yeah. at what point was this for Gilbert? Like, where, where was he at? Is this when he was wearing like he wore Air Maxes. He wear like the what's, <laughs> he wore like Dolce Gabbana's. You know what I mean? Giving people uh, like forty. It was, it was when when Gilbert was like trying to go back to the league. Gotcha. Okay. 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 He was working out every day, like you know, mm-hmm. putting cards in every day, working out every day, and he, you know, he flew me out to work out with him, mm-hmm. and. <laughs> This dude, and we didn't even work out. All we did was do moves for social media. And then I worked him out a little bit. Then I work him out 30, million, 30 minutes. And then 30 minutes, we just doing like moves. And I'm recording it for content. Like moves, like making up like moves, right? Like crazy moves and making them up and like throwing it up. And everybody's watching it. So, you know, KD's in Oklahoma. KD like end up hitting me up. Like, hey, yo. What's up, man? Where you from? Where you at? Where yeah. you from? And then yeah. now it was no, it wasn't no DMs at that time. So then I'm like, yo, I'm in Oklahoma, man. I'm gonna be back, like you know, next week, mm-hmm. you know. And but KD really didn't hit me up for the basketball. He hit me up for the music because at the same time when I was building the brand, I always knew how to rap. And at Nike, they even like coached us on the type of music that's played at certain times of the day to get like a customer to feel in the mood to purchase a yep. product. So yep. it was like that detail with the marketing. I'm damn, you nah, know? for real. Like, it's that detail. That's why, they like, who, that's why they are who they are. That's why they are who they are. And I looked at it like myself and I said, you know what? I'm going to put my music and put all basketball bars behind every video. And I was just like dropping them on SoundCloud. And then KD was really big into music. And he like my song started going like people used to always like, who's that rapping? Who's that rapping on every mm-hmm. video? And then KD was one of the guys that hit up me, hit me up personally. Like, yo, what's good, man? And then when I talked to him, he's like, yo, I know you could train. I'm cool. Like, but who is that? Whose song is that? I'm trying to tell my boys, like we trying to find it everywhere. 
And yeah. I was like, it was mine. And I was, I was like, it's mine. He was like, that's you. He was like, nah, that's, that ain't you. It's like, if that's you, pull up, pull up to the studio tonight and record a song. Right. And then yeah. I, I pulled up Oklahoma, like pulled up to the studio it was him, Cliff, a couple of other, his like, you know, Randy, you know, his business manager, everybody mm-hmm. there um, engineering. And like, he was living in Oklahoma and, showed me a $500,000 recording studio. And I was like, in, I was like at an apartment recording on a little, like, like mic, like yeah. a little mic. So you, at like, this point, you in heaven when you walk in. You know what I mean? I'm really, my mind is really thinking that like I'm, the Nike thing is really working. Like, nah, for sure. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm like, yo, I'm really, I feel like a lot of success is just tricking your mind. You know what I mean? Yeah to be consistent or to be successful. So I was just consistent with it. And then I re-recorded a song that same night and I got on the mic and then I just like ripped the whole joint up. And then like, he was just like, we recorded like 18 songs and we started having a relationship like this. Yep. And, then, and then I worked him out. He flew me to LA. I was working him out in LA. And then, um, and then like, he, he, like he talked to Gilbert about my workouts and stuff and moves and stuff. Mm-hmm. Then Nate Robinson hired me. And then from there, DeMar DeRozan hired me. And then it was like on and popping from there. And that's a trickling like, fa- yeah, a trickling fan. Yeah, 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 like word, word of mouth, but with a little bit of social media proof behind it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's crazy because me and Thesey talk about this on our um, on our podcast a lot. Of course, we talk about everybody's journeys and things of that nature. Like Theo made it to the league. But for me, like my journey, I stayed in the sports industry. One, because I'm blessed enough to have a cousin who I have. But two, I had to build relationships. You know what I mean? Uh, so, like, yeah. talk about how important networking is, building relationships, being a genuine person. You know what I mean? Because you said you went from Gilbert, you went to KD. You could have been an asshole, and then everything could have been went left. But, you know yeah. what I mean? You was a genuine person. So, tell me how that affects, like, how, how, how was that for you? You know what I mean? How did you build those, build those relationships and things of that nature? Man, I had to outside learn. of social was, media. Yeah, hundred percent. I had to learn. It was a process, man. Like, cause I, it's all about how the way you carry yourself. Like, you mm-hmm. know, like you, how you treat, you know, the janitor and how you treat somebody who's popping. It's like yep. people pay attention to like how you treat other people. You know, like and people like people who are successful. It doesn't matter anybody. But when I built my relationship with my players and everybody, me, I just always wanted to be solid and really lock into the craft. So I really didn't like go out. Like if, you know, a player invited me, yo, I got this event at this club. I'm popping up. I'm not going, I'm like yeah. chilling. I'm lo- I'm locked in. Cause I want them to take me seriously and know that I'm like really invested into my craft. And I feel like the best relationships is when both parties don't really need anything from each other. They're, helping each other they're just a value yeah. they're not yep. taking away like one person is not here just taking you mm-hmm. know what i mean and my college coach used to always ask us like you, you either going to be a giver or you're going to be a taker like that's <laughs> no nah, that's real yeah that's you know real. what i mean so, so i was like and then and, I was, and like you either like giving or like you're like always taking away taking taking mm-hmm. taking so i always like was conscious about that and I didn't want to be the guy, the homeboy that I pull up to the club. You know, I'm training them, but then I pull up to the club and I'm drinking, you know, bottles yeah. with them. And then, you know, I like, I just really stayed away from that. And I built like real relationships to like work ethic and like value 
like how much value I add to their life and their game. You know, that's mm-hmm. how I built the relationship. And it was very important because word of mouth is still the best marketing engine in, on the planet. You know, word of, you know, it's still heavy and it's not just all about social media. So, yeah. you know, I built relationships and trust with my clients, like just being a solid individual and just focusing on what kind of value that I can bring into them. And that's like my key to building every relationship. No, that's real. That's real. So now, you know what I mean? How do you balance? I want to know, how do you balance your time? And at what point did you have to be like, all right, rapping is something that I do love, but pretty much, you know, like dribbling handle life, these clients is where the, where the money at, where it was like making, making where the bills is being paid. How do you balance yeah. that? And what was that point? Like, all right, I do love to rap, but they can't put all my all my stuff in rapping. How do you balance that? You know what I mean? That's a great question, man. And now I've been on a lot of interviews and not a, not a lot of people ask me that. It's just like, it was tough because I was really good at it. And I was training rappers too. And I would see like the lifestyle and I could see like what I can get. You know what I mean? Like yeah. of being a, you know, being, being nice at it. Mm-hmm. And I thought, and I felt, and I had confidence in it. So you know, like, even though that I knew that my brand really grew from dribbling my ball and training clients, but music is something that I, I had to learn how to monetize it the right yeah. way. And it's still something that, like, like I got to, like, balance it properly. Because when, you know, nowadays people can do multiple things, but you still got to be good at one thing. Like, if we go back to playing a role and being a piece on the table that does this move, you on the floor, you in the game. You know what I'm saying? So like, 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 well, the way I balance that music and like basketball is our training is the centerpiece of everything, you know, like music and basketball is the things that go around it. And the way I monetized it is I was like, okay, I'm going to just do music about basketball and use that as like the music behind my content. And I end up getting an NBA 2K deal, like from doing that. And I was on NBA 2K the last seven years licensing music to them because they like love the music that I was using yeah. on my basketball training videos. And that's how I got on the game. And, you know, I still, the, the, the thing that I still have to balance is like, cause I still want to be respected as like an, a real artist because I, yeah. I work on it hard, but mm-hmm. my, but the way I, the way I like introduce it, introduce it should be through like basketball training videos. Like if yeah. I'm doing like a drill challenge, I could throw my song in there, tell the kids to do it, boom, boom, and I could introduce it. But a little bit of like, you know, that just takes discipline, like of staying focused in the lane, a little bit of me, like still wants to show people that I can do more. And I think everybody always feels like that. Even the yeah. p- person on the NBA team, like that is the shooter in the corner. He still feel like he could do a little more, like you I know agree. what I'm saying, like yeah. And that's real. But there's a ba- that that like what you asked. It's a balance. Balance that balance. balance is what the people who are different is who understand the the balance and the focus. Yeah. You know what I mean. And that's we a, always that's the say. Thing. We always say over here, like my family, we always say keep the main thing the main thing. You know what I mean. A lot of people like fuck up because they forget what got them there. You know what I mean. You 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 basketball or training got you there but then they'll go out and try to do something else and then don't even work yeah. out no more and or don't lift no more you know what i mean so we always mm-hmm. say keep the main thing the main thing you know what i mean that's super important 
But since yeah. we on like the music topic and things of that nature, how did the whole Dame collab come around? Come around, man. So I end up like licensing a lot of records to NBA Two K, and mm-hmm. I was doing it myself. I would literally go on Instagram Live. And I'll say, yo, if you're a producer, send me a beat. And I'll just go through the beat, the beats and pick the best beat I like. I'll rap on it. I'll submit it to 2K. And they'll end up liking it and picking it up. But I didn't want to go, like, getting on any big producers. I just was, like, doing it with the community. And I thought that was mm-hmm. tough. Like, a kid who produced a nice beat, you would never get a chance. And I, I felt like that was tough. Like, and then he get on 2K. Like, yeah. from just, like, being a fan of mine. That's, like. So I was enjoying doing that a little bit. So I started getting a name and my record started to stream over like 30 million streams on Spotify and also like um, um, Apple Music. And then I ended up signing a distribution deal um, with uh, Empire, which is a major distribution label. And I kind of did a really good deal with them. And I started like submitting music and I wanted to give 2K a different look. And I was just really trying to like, and just stay in my basketball lane. And Dame was really crushing, you know, his music career with like songs and like kind of like putting out music. And I loved it. Um, and I was like, all right, cool. Dame, me and Dame had conversations that like we met at Adidas uh, uh, photo shoots and like content creation shoots for his uh, sneaker. And he always admired the music that I was putting out on the back end. And he told me that one time and he always admired like the ball handling, but he was not a media guy. So it, like when I first met him, it's like, I'm you cool, but like, don't think you're going to record me. Right, <laughs> <You know? laughs> right, right. You know right. So that's the attitude, that's the attitude Dave gave me. Like, <laughs> you know, I know you, you know, recording all the other dudes. Like, hey. but like, you know, Dame is real. Like he, he going to keep it real. Keep it real, real with you cutthroat like he yeah. doesn't want to do nothing the wave is doing like and i was the wave when it came to training so he mm-hmm. never really he he never really tapped in I, we tapped in later but he never tapped in at that time but he still kept a relationship with me and i would send him like different songs and he never really replied and stuff like that you would like every now and then hit me with this i know these guys schedule is crazy anyway so yeah. i don't take it personal but I would just send him work all the time and I kept getting better, kept getting better, kept getting better. Then boom, you see me on the NBA 2K. So I'm not just like sending the work to like, you know, do a collab with you. I'm also working on the back end, closing deals on 2K, distribution deals. I'm still working and he's seeing that. And a lot of the times for somebody to help you, they got to just see you working. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know, you know sure. if they see you working, it makes it organic. So then I sent him a slap one time and then he replied back and he was like, bro, this is this song is crazy. And he was like, I'm going to have this verse done for you by the night. And I was like, that's what I said. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. Hey, I know that feeling was crazy. <laughs> I was like, word. I was like, cool. Sent the verse in. He did his verse. And I really wanted to keep him on a topic of like the when you say like the main thing, the main thing. Mm-hmm. I kept him on the basketball topic and I feel like Dan gave me the best verse he ever wrote because it was all about his like life story about coming up through basketball when he was younger mm-hmm. and like how he got drafted and the things he had to deal with, you know, through being a young basketball hooper growing up. And I put yeah. him on that kind of record and he killed it. And I and like I really appreciate Dan Dollar for that, man. Thank you for handling life story, my brother. Man, shout out to Dame. 
They ain't a real one for sure. He, hey, but he a real of, one. Nah, he a real one for sure. Outside of basketball and handle life and things like that, uh, you also got a life. You know what I mean? I know you're a family yeah. man, you know, married, kids, and things of that nature. What does your day-to-day look like? Man, I wake up in the morning early every day. I work out. Um, I try to stay very consistent with it. I try to be consistent with being in my prayers and in touch with my mom and my family. And then, you know, I got to be consistent. Then you got the family and the kid. Then you got the business. As an entrepreneur, it's just your day-to-day is full every single day when you're trying to build a business. And I know you guys know that. And Mm -hmm. it's just like I got to wear so many hats. Like when, you know, I could be training Chris Paul 6 a.m. in the morning because he going to get up early. And then I got DeMar DeRozan coming consistently at like, you know, 730 right after Chris. And then, you know, I got like Kobe White coming in at 930. And then, you know, I got, you know, like back to back clients coming in and then that stops. Then I have the kids. Then I'm mm-hmm. training the kids and, you know, back to back, like I'm training from five to like nine o'clock. Then I have like Zoom and business meetings because I'm trying to build a brand that I could monetize through my following. So social media is, you know, a job too, you know, that I got to continue to get better at. Um, and that, cause that's how I'm going to pay the bills with endorsements and stuff like that and monetizing like, you know, my page. So then I got like a build a team and like, you know, manage people in that and tell them the vision because at the end of the day, they could be helping me do something and know it really well. But at the end of the day, I'm the face on it. So like, yeah. I know it more than everybody. So I'm really hands-on and involved with that. Then I got music with producers and like other writers that want to collab and, other artists and producers and I got to be in the studio late night. So, so from like 10 to like one in the morning, I'm in the studio. Like and I'm like cooking up like beats, crapping and doing all that kind of stuff. And then I did, I, then I need a little bit of like, you know, like loving, like personal time with the family yeah. and stuff. And that's the hardest thing to balance because, you know, when you like grinding and you're chasing the dream, it's just, it's, it's, it's so hard to balance like that personal time because you're, when you're in entrepreneur mode, and I think that's like something that is important with balance is like you just focusing on building that business, like where you yep. want it to be. And what I'm learning now is just like spending time with the family is part of building that business. You know what I mean? For yep. mentally, like mental health, you know, like you'll catch people like be snapping CEOs, be snapping on people out of anywhere is doing this and doing that. And like they move and not moving proper and everybody like that's under them and the company falls because the CEO yeah. is not well balanced. And I'm just like seeing, you know, the effects of that is like it could really tear down the business. So I'm just trying to get better at being focused on family, focused on Kobe John and my son, you know, making sure I'm putting them as priority because at the end of the end of the day, if not, if, if the house ain't put together, then like your business is not going to be put together. So that's something like that. I, that now that now that I'm a little bit older and wiser and I have a good group of, you know, people that I can talk to for advice and stuff. I know how important it is for that balance between family and business. Nah, for sure. And that's real. That's real. It's crazy because I want to know you got a son, right? And we talked about earlier how growing up in basketball is totally different from how you grew up, how I grew up and things of that nature. You know what I mean? With a son now, 
You know what I mean? And how important how important is it to be that father that's like, all right, you have to play basketball or just let your son pick and choose. Like, you know what I mean? What do you want to do? Because you are you dribble too much. He see that. You know what I mean? That's a that's some big shoes to fill. You know what I mean? But how do Man. you handle that as a father? <laughs> like, if I be 100, it's almost a little bit of manipulation for the right reasons, though. I feel like if you really want your kid to be locked in and teach them, like, tools to help them you have to manipulate them mm. in, in in a way it's the real <laughs> no, stuff sure. like like you have to say like if you touch that stove it's gonna be like it's gonna burn your hand even if it's not on you will tell your son that mm. like so he don't go playing with that joint and put his hand right. on the stove but you right. know like you know and as he grows and grows and goes and good and you know go get older he'll know how to turn the stove on but you really trying to protect him so with me, with my son, I just like really try to show them that him that I'm working every single day. Like every time he see me, I'm working, I'm moving, I'm working, I'm working, I'm working. And I'm really trying to show him like that work is work. Like you got to be able to work and be consistent and be de- dedicated to something and be good at it. And every time he asks me where I'm going, I say I'm going to the basketball court. I could be taking out the trash. <laughs> I'm like, I'm about to go to the basketball court, man. Yeah, nah, I, I, that's, <laughs> so, so, so now he be like, "Daddy, I want to go to the basketball." I want to go to the basketball court. Let me go to the court with you. All right, let's go. Come on, let's go. You know, so you know that's my own like real parenting. But at the end of the day, I know there's freedom involved. Where you know I'm gonna support him on anything that he want to do, but I'm gonna yeah. use that as a tool of him wanting to love me and be with me. I'm always working him coming into my work. I feel like I can teach him a lot of tools from like discipline and like work ethic and teamwork and stuff like that, that I carry out through his whole life and not just basketball. So that's how, you know, like if he gets good at it, it's great, but he so wants to be like under daddy that now Mm -hmm. he wants to play basketball. And I, I, you know, the way I handle it is if he's good at it, it's great, but like, I'm not like forcing him. But he's yeah. just wanted to do what dad does. But I got to keep yeah, him facts. around what dad does. You know what I mean? Yeah, facts. That's so. real. That's real. Last question before we get out of here. You know what I mean? Um, we got a really great relationship. You know what I mean? And one thing I know about you is you love giving back. Yes, you know, sir. outside of you being um, the influence on Instagram, the dribble too much in the world to everybody, you also got an AU organization. You know what I mean? Where yeah. you help kids. I um, mean, you also just don't train NBA stars. You also train kids that's coming up trying to be the next Chris Paul, trying to be the next DeMar Rosen. You know what I mean? So now you're at living in LA. What, what got you to that mindset to like, all right, I am who I am, but I still have to give back. And now this is how I want to give back. And how's that yeah, been going it, for you? It's just like legacy, man. You know, being able to like build a legacy and build something meaningful to stick around when I really think about my community center, like I I feel like, you know, if I had more resources in my community center, it would give me more guidance on how to handle playing my role in college. You know what I mean? So like, I feel like being able to give back to the game at a young age, I'm able to teach them about my mistakes and I also can help them with the skill development on the things that they need to work on and play the game the right way. So it's just really important. It's just really important to me 
to really keep the game alive because that's the yeah. thing that saved my life. And if that could save another kid's life from having to make a decision if you want to hoop or like go back to this, like the more exciting the game is, the more easy it is to learn and like grab onto, the more people are playing the game because of me. And I feel like I'm just helping save the world at the same time. Nah, that's mm-hmm. real. That's real. That's real. Well, Johnny, I appreciate you for taking the time out. You know what I mean? Um, you're my guy. I'm sure we're going to be talking and seeing you soon. Taking yes, Carter sir. to practice, look, somebody to practice. <laughs> like that. Pulling up yeah. might be helping you coach Jaden. You know what I mean? Let's go. Um, pull up. Pull up. <laughs> nah, pull for up. sure. I'm going to definitely pull up when I find some time for show, for show. But we need to put Cam yeah, on man. that team. Let her get some buckets. Hey, Cam actually just got back from practice. Cam is, the kids are getting tall, bro. Little Chris yeah. is tall. Cam, yeah, they, man. I lo- like, you, you know what I really like about you? Like, like a lot. Like um, how I see you involved in the kids and involved in the family is just like you keep it so real with them and like you tell them the truth and you don't like sugarcoat it with them. You just really tell them the truth and give them the real stuff. And those kids like so I want to ask you, like, how Chris doing? Like how little Chris doing? How little Chris doing? And now nah, little Chris just made because you you look- tough you are tough you are tough. <laughs> oh, no. You if, if AJ say you nice, you really nice for real. Because nah, him thanks. and Chris, him and Big Chris, <laughs> and you got you know me and little Chris, we be we be playing heads. We'll go back and forth, but now nah, I'm proud of him, bro. Like he just made oh, top good. twenty in um at Chris um camp the other week. You know what I mean? That really? was his goal. That was his goal to make top twenty. And he did it, and he was cooking. He really? was cooking. Yeah, he was cooking, That's bro. good, man. I love to hear that, man. Yeah, yeah, Thank you, man. Appreciate it, AJ. It's love, man. Man, for sure, for sure. Working, bro. But thank for y'all for tuning me. in for another episode. You know what I mean? No, ooh, thank y'all for tuning in for another episode. We got Dribble Too Much on here. Thank you again, bro, for everything. Follow us on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. This is a great one, bro, and I really appreciate you. All day. Thank you, AJ, man. You guys have a great one and happy new year to everyone. Happy new year, bro. Appreciate you.